few things in relationships can drain your energy and your personal power like narcissistic abuse. By definition, when a cult leader controls and brainwashes people who fall under their spell, it's called narcissistic abuse. And so many good, intelligent people are vulnerable to that, to someone taking charge of their life in a way that it feels great at first, like it solves all your problems, but then it turns into a soul-sucking nightmare. And the same thing can happen in relationships. The luring in, the, it's gonna be great, then the deprivation, the mindfuckery, the introduction of greater and greater emotional abuse. At that point, a vital sense of self-interest, your instinct for self-preservation can be so damaged, you can't imagine leaving. My letter today is from a woman I'll call Freya, and she writes, Hey Anna, I would like to ask for your help because this situation has been dragging on for so long. I'm 23 years old and just enrolled in university. I have CPTSD from an emotionally unavailable, strict mother and an alcoholic father who cheated on my mother. I met a guy almost two years ago when I was in a very vulnerable period in my life. I was having frequent panic attacks. I was jobless because of that and was living with a friend at that time. The guy came as a, quote, savior. It felt like he dragged me out of the mud. We started dating only after two months. He encouraged me to apply for university, get better habits, see a therapist, stop smoking, and even have a better relationship with God as we're both Christian. It was all good until about six months into the relationship. I started feeling overpowered. Uh, like what I said did not matter. My needs getting frequently dismissed, such as asking for more affection, validation. I played the cool girl, but got tired of it very quickly. My partner wouldn't kiss me. He would reject hugs even, saying it was for my own benefit. He felt like my need for affection was unhealthy. I felt like a parent and a child simultaneously, being guilt-tripped into doing chores for him, such as cleaning or washing the dishes, because he had eczema, but being treated as a child, always told what to do. I felt like my voice, my opinions did not matter. He said it was unhealthy for me to wear makeup or drink coffee, and he would pick fights over those things. After a year into the relationship, he ended up breaking up with me, saying I was too obsessed with the idea of the relationship, and I'm too immature to be in one. I asked for no contact, but he wanted me to stay close, and I submitted, hoping we might be together one day. He said he would not want the advances of other girls and only did this to help me and better our friendship. But I found out he messaged a girl some sexual things after a friend of his warned me about some strange messages he and the girl exchanged on social media. He tried to deny it, but after I talked to the girl myself, it was very clear to me he pretended to be someone he wasn't. They did exchange sexual messages, and that moment, I was done. I blocked him everywhere and avoided physical contact as well. Since then, he tried reaching out from multiple numbers, apologizing, saying he has found new faith. It was the first time he said I was beautiful. He said he loved me, wants me, and only me, and that he was not connected to his heart. 
After not talking for weeks, he showed up in my hometown uninvited. He brought me a cake he made for me and brought me other very personal gifts. I caught feelings again. <laughs> I caught feelings. <laughs> like catching an STD. Oh. But later on, he told me he doesn't want a relationship for now. After he told me that, I cut contact again. He reached out from a new number, trying to tell me I'm wrong for damaging my heart like this, that I can't forgive and that I will cause myself hurt in the future. I just want this to end. I cannot seem to let him go 100%, even though I feel this is not real love. How do I know I'm making the right decision? I feel like I'm in his grip or under a spell. Thank you in advance. Freya. Okay, Freya. I had my fairy pencil. I was circling things I wanted to come back to as I read through. I'm so glad you wrote. And um, there it is. You want to know, did you make the right decision? Yes. And I'll tell you why. It's been dragging on. You're 23 years old. You just enrolled in university. You have CPTSD, emotionally unavailable, strict mother, alcoholic father, um, cheated on your mother. Sounds like just lies and no, um, no mirroring of presence of like helping you understand what feelings and perceptions mean. They damaged your perception. They primed you. They made you vulnerable for exactly what has happened. Okay. So you were having frequent panic attacks. You had no job because of that. You were living with a friend. So very vulnerable. Now I wrote down a list of vulnerable characteristics. I, this is a good time to read them. So I, I've been thinking a lot about cult leaders and spiritual abuse. And I know like this guy, I, don't, I think it is spiritual abuse. He was using the sort of Christianity thing, but whatever it is, whatever you call it, he tried to hang it on 20 different hooks. Very interesting, um, but not cool. I don't diagnose anybody, but he just seems like bullet point textbook, Wikipedia, narcissist with who's a who's a psychopath everything seems manipulation so that's i can't diagnose but those of you who comment you can say anything you want so you go for it <laughs> you please please help freya know what this is so she knows what to do some research on okay so i got this list from spiritual abuse resources and they're an organization you can find them online these are the vulnerable characteristics that make somebody an easy target for narcissistic abuse and or spiritual abuse, okay? So it's someone who is under stress, which you were, you were having panic attacks. In transition, you were jobless, uh, you didn't have a direction in your life yet. Uh, tend toward dependency, you were living towards friends and so you were very young and you hadn't really gotten to that point where you were independent yet. Tend toward dependency, unassertive, gullible, want simple answers to complex questions. A lot of these are characteristics of youth. Um, are attracted to trance-like states of mind. Hmm. Are unaware of how groups can manipulate people. Have recently had a traumatic experience. Are unaware of how the mind and body can affect each other. Lack skills in critical thinking and logic and lack knowledge about methods of deception. So I just thought I'd share that with you because I was thinking a lot about that list. I've been planning to make a video about it, but I'm you know, doing my research. But I thought I'd just pull out that list because Freya, I just hear it in your story. 
that you are vulnerable. It's not your fault you are vulnerable. I mean, the minute people don't get taken care of properly as children, it sets you up for this kind of thing. So the, the, the really positive thing is you're out right now, you're asking for input, you're asking for advice. This is all really positive things. Yes, you can heal. It takes vigilance, it takes persistence, but you can do it. He came along, this guy, as a savior, classic, okay, classic narcissist move, and it felt like he dragged you out of the mud. And you know, when you, you were in the mud, so any kind of love and attention would have felt that way, right? And of course, when we look at somebody we're newly dating as a savior and it's gonna solve all of our problems, it does set us up for grave disappointment because nobody can really do that. Um, a relationship can be a positive thing and it can introduce a whole new set of friends and a purpose in life and totally good things. I don't deny that. But when you were in the mud and suddenly everything's been solved, vulnerable, okay. Healthy people will not try to convince you that they're the solution to all your problems either. So you got into a relationship, you were dating within two months and he encouraged you to do these positive things, apply to university, get better habits, see a therapist, stop smoking, have a better relationship with God. It was all good until about six months into the relationship. So what, you know, I, I could, you guys who are out there in the comment section, you can tell me the significance of six months, but I just think it's when sexual interest wears off and uh, the really nasty side, you know, there's, there's no holds barred anymore. There's nothing for them to get from you. Um, just the control, the need to control somebody else and to feed off that energy. All right. so. You started feeling overpowered, and I get it from what you said. What you said didn't matter. Your needs were frequently dismissed. If you asked for more affection or validation, no. You played the cool girl, and I love that term. We're gonna have shirts here one day that say, ex-cool girl, acting like, oh, that's fine. I don't need affection and validation. Yeah, that's needy, that's pathetic, or whatever he was telling you. He said he wouldn't give that to you. No hugs, no kisses. It was for your own benefit because your need for affection was unhealthy. Oh my gosh. That's where I say mind fuckery. What does that even mean? It was unhealthy to need that. I think it was inconvenient because, uh, well, I'm, I'm just, I'm gonna just, spoiler alert, like what's with all the phone numbers, okay? Something very nefarious is going on here. Felt like a child and a parent simultaneously guilt-tripped into doing all his chores. That's a very cult leader, cult leader thing. That's how you show your loyalty. Um, and then treated as a child where he told you what to do. You felt like your voice and your opinions didn't matter. Well, he tried to make them that way, but they do matter. So you were made to feel that way and because you were vulnerable and he was manipulative and that's where it goes, but it's not true. So I just want to say that, you know, for any, any credence that you give me, your voice and your opinions totally matter. And I'm so glad you're getting them back enough to say what happened here. He said it was unhealthy to wear makeup or drink coffee. What the right? And he would pick fights over those things. Okay. That's like crazy controlling. After a year in the relationship, he, and he broke up saying you were too obsessed with the idea of a relationship. Oh my gosh, that's like classic sleeping with other people and lying that it's somehow good rhetoric. Um, ugh. He said you were too immature to be in one. Um, yeah, blame you. <laughs> You're young, so in a way, you know, I, I give him no, he's not right about this, but just that, you know, none of us are perfectly formed for relationships. And so, especially in early 20s, you know, weird stuff happens when we were 
grew up with trauma. You know, we, we often don't have the boundaries or the discernment and can't see the red flags and get very confused when people are abusive to us. Like, did I cause that? That's what we do, but that's why we're here because we're healing from that, okay? So you asked for no contact, but he wanted me to stay close and you submitted. That word submit, ouch. Hoping we might be together one day. Okay, so yeah, you were in a deep trauma bond. I just, I hope he comes around and loves me, I know. And he said he would not want the advances of other girls. And oh, yeah, I'd, I don't want that with other girls. He just does that with other girls. And you found out he messaged, yeah, sexual stuff. Some friend warned you and you saw it. And when you heard it was other girls, like for whatever reason, you couldn't have a boundary and, 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 and the self-esteem to realize that everything that had happened up to that point was terrible. But the fact that he lied to you about another girl, that was finally what snapped you out of it. So good, thank you, other girl. Thank you. Thank you for existing and for making it clear to our friend Freya here that this was not good. Uh, that was the thing that was clear to you. And it's interesting because there was that, like your dad cheated on your mom thing. And it's just weird how sometimes the karma of the stuff we witnessed and suffered from as a child comes back and repeats. And that's what we're doing in recovery is, you know, we're just sort of breaking the repetition, not by just going, I'm so bad, I repeat it. I'm gonna decide not to repeat it. It's so subtle the way it creeps in. And it creeps in, I found, through the very minute, little fearful and resentful thoughts that become beliefs that start driving the trauma-driven decisions and behavior that carries us down the road of ruin, frankly. I don't mean to be Victorian about it, but my CPTSD symptoms ruined my life until I began to use these techniques to really get to those those, those very subtle little thoughts and just keep moving them out, keep moving them out. That, those techniques I call the daily practice. It's a free course that's always down below in the description section. Also on the free tools page of my website, crappychildhoodfairy.com. If you wanna take that very, 500 people sign up for it a day. It's really popular. Come join us, it's, it's, see if it works, okay? So you blocked him everywhere and avoided physical contact. I, I laughed a little bit, it's not funny, but if you block somebody on social media, I hope you avoided physical contact. So you were trying to have no contact. And I know how hard that is for somebody who's been trauma bonded and who's been neglected in childhood. That kind of a boundary and the loneliness that's coming up, even when you're blocking somebody who abuses you, it can be so compelling that you just break your own boundaries, you know, cause you can't bear it, but you're doing it, okay. And then once you blocked him, he tried reaching out from multiple numbers. I just circled that a bunch of times. It's like multiple numbers. What's going on? He has burner phones for something, for shady business, or for having different relationships with different people. I mean, that would explain why your emotional feelings for him were a problem, you know, a problem for him. And he apologized saying he found new faith. I'm just guessing like that's what you were hoping to hear. Of course he clocked what it is that you wanted to hear and he said those things. And it was the first time he said you were beautiful. Oh God, trauma bonding. To, you were with a guy a year and he never said that and then he says it and you're like, wait, maybe it's love now. I totally get it. Of course, when we read it out loud, you can see, of course not, it's manipulation. And this is called hoovering, by the way, when a narcissist just, you know, they just like, ma, 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 everything that you ever wanted to hear, and suck you back into their orbit, right? And it worked a little bit. 
and he said he loved you and you're the only one for him. And at the time, all that bad stuff happened because he wasn't connected to his heart. I just would lay money that those are the words that you used when you were saying what hurt you about it. So he parroted it back to you. I suspect he has no idea what those feelings are or what it means. He's just saying what you're supposed to say to get Freya to put down her boundaries. Then you didn't talk to him. You still had a boundary. Then he comes to your town with a cake, a man who made a cake. How irresistible is that? I totally get it. He's wearing you down, right? And personal gifts. So that phrase, I chuckled the first time, I caught feelings again. <laughs> and I think that maybe where you live, that's just a way it said, like, I would say, like, I started having feelings again, but I caught feelings. It just sounds like a disease, and it is in this case. It's like a virus that just got in there and made you think thoughts like, this is a good idea. I've had that virus. <laughs> but later, then he said, guess what? He doesn't want a relationship. So he did all that. You sort of opened up to him. No, he doesn't want one for now. For now, bookmark placed there. And then he told you that, so you cut contact again. Then he used a new telephone number. This guy just cracks me up. What's with all the numbers? Somebody in the audience is going to tell us here in the comments. Like, what, what's with all the numbers? What's he actually doing? Um, and he's trying to tell you that you're wrong for damaging your own heart like this. What, by cutting him off? That you can't forgive. That's your problem, right? And that you'll cause yourself hurt in the future. And I just want, he's just, boy, he's grasping at straws to find a way to, like, try to get you to let him in again. And saying basically anything, no matter how hurtful. And you just want it to end. Okay, we're going to help you do that. You haven't let him go 100%. And that's what we do. We cannot let go of the hope, especially when it's just been all like, like it's just been so worked up in us. Like, I want that love. I want that love. And you don't get it. And you don't get it. And then you're given a little crumb. And you're like, yes, I'm getting a crumb. I think the whole cake is coming again. But it's not coming. The cake is taken away. And every time you're given this tiny little thing, it's taken away. And it wears down your will, your spirit, your confidence, your self-esteem, your boundaries. And that is the goal. That's what he wants. He wants somebody just who's all effed up. And so he can just like, it, this is a figure of speech, but he's drinking your blood. He's an emotional vampire. All right. So you say, I can't let go, even though I feel this is not real love. And I'm just going to say understatement of the year. It's not even fake love. This is like some sort of terrible, terrible uh, exploitation of a person. And only because you were neglected and abused as a kid, only because of that, could you possibly crap fit this into thinking, well, it's something like love. It's nothing like love. Love, by definition, is somebody who cares about the best for you. I wanted to share with you a resource here. If you're wondering if you made the right decision, um, Richard Grannon, um, who is on YouTube, who talks about CPTSD a lot, his thing is narcissistic abuse. I really encourage you, go check out his channel. I'll put a link down below in the description section. He has a new book out called A Cult of One. And I heard that title and I bought it immediately and it's on its way. It just makes so much sense and that's what it sounds like you were in, A Cult of One. This dude is you know, it's, 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 it's brainwashing, it's mind control, it's exploitation, it's everything like being in a cult. And Richard Grannon says he, he had to choose a word for who, if the other person is, an, is a narcissistic abuser, what am I? And I just wanted to quote from his book here. He says, I chose the term codependent. In using this term, I'm going a little beyond the boundaries of the way it's typically used. 
When I use the term codependent, I mean a person who is traumatized and brainwashed into needing to be a slave to abusive, psychopathic, narcissistic, tyrannical types of people and systems in order to feel in any way meaningful, visible, or alive. All right? So, peeps, you might want to check out Richard Grannon's new book. It looks fabulous, and I can't wait to read it. Thank you so much for listening. If you love my content, think about joining my membership program. You can find out more information about that and all my courses and coaching programs at crappychildhoodfairy.com. Remember, healing is possible. People with childhood PTSD can have a wonderful life. Sometimes we just need a few workarounds. I'll see you next time.